What's up, everybody? As you guys know, recently I had PRP and some gel put into my knee, and uh, it was an awesome experience. And we're going to have Stephanie Morata, the one who administered it to me from Dr. Martin's office, give us more details on it. So don't miss this. It's going to be real interesting. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Yamato Damashi podcast. My name is James, obviously joined by Anson, but today, another special guest, Steph. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for Thanks the listeners for that are joining us that don't know too much about yourself, if you wouldn't mind just giving a bit of an introduction and maybe some of your credentials. Sure, absolutely. So I am currently an orthopedic PA um, or orthopedic physician's assistant. What that means is I can um, evaluate, diagnose, and treat orthopedic injuries. Um, most currently I am with a joint specialist. So we do total reconstruction of joints, um, but we're also into, uh, preserving that joint because not everybody may be interested in having a knee replacement because sometimes it can be, or a joint replacement because sometimes it can be a scary thing. So we just try to facilitate, uh, maybe healing and uh, sort of better lifestyle and better um, ability to, you know, do the things you want to do or the activities that you're interested in. So we're trying to keep them as mobile and as active as they can. So it's almost kind of like um, before you go to that last resort of surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I love that. That's exactly I right. Hate Okay, perfect. Well, not yeah. everybody not everybody is ready to do that, but you know when you can't do your sort of activities of daily living. So things that you like to do when you're not able to do those anymore because we've tried mm. and exhausted everything possible, that's when you start thinking about having surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so, so I mean uh, the people that have seen Ensign's uh, you know, social media posts may have kind of figured out uh, <laughs> where we might be going with this podcast. But I mean, Ensign, why don't you give a bit of background in terms of, of you know, why you've recently been in contact with Steph? Well, I've been, uh, you know, um, my whole career, I was, uh, I was raised in the old school days where pushing hard was the right thing to do, pushing past the pain barrier. If you, if you don't push past the, you know, if you're, if you're sore and you're tired and you don't train, you're a pussy. So we, we, we really pushed our body to the, to the brink. The doctor says uh, rest a month. I was more like, okay, he'll tell me and an old lady the same thing. So I'm resting two weeks, you know. And of course, you know that that toll took on my body and my my shoulders, my neck, my knees are really bad. And it got to a point where if I do any type of, uh, you know, mediocre sparring or movement, quick movements back and forth, my knees would swell up. And when it swells up, I would have a very limited extension, very limited uh, bend. And then even to a point where going up and down stairs, I had to like uh, take one stair at a time, you know, like a, like a you know like a little granny like holding onto the rail and stepping one at a time. So you know, I was always looking. I I I've never had surgery on myself ever. I've never done any as bad as my body is. I've never done any wow. surgery, 
and I refuse to do surgery unless it's the last, last resort. And, you know, um, Steph's um, worst half, uh, Sheldon, he's uh, like my, uh, like a brother of mine. So he comes by and I, I got to meet Steph. All I knew Steph as is like this uh, unreal wrestler that's actually able to suck up Sheldon's shit, you know? I mean, that was like, whoa, <laughs> Steph, hey. So that's all I knew her as. And then she always would come in and give me good advice on my body and some training stuff. And it's like, oh, shit. She's, I would always tell Sarah, like, oh, she's pretty knowledgeable, man. I better ask Steph, you know. It's like, okay, let's ask Steph. And then, you know, I found out, you know, she works in an office. And and then we started, I mean, she, I think Steph says, you have messaged to me a lot. About, he messaged me to me, like, talk to me about this a lot, about you should do this, you should do that. And I'm like needles. I'm just a definitely afraid of needles i mean everyone says oh you get a tattoo but the tattoo goes in like this deep those needles go in this deep you know it's a whole different thing <laughs> so i'm like okay yeah yeah i'm like fuck that i ain't doing those needles and then she's talking about poking one in my knee i'm like no way and she's uh trying to convince me by telling me that oh no i do it to myself you know i can you know i do it every day you know like i'm like <laughs> if, if some if some prissy old lady told me that i'd be like hmm, okay maybe it's okay but you're talking to this like top world class wrestler, and you know wrestlers aren't pussies. You know they're tough mother mfs. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, Steph's saying that, but still that don't mean shit because she's tough. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, you know, it came to a point where I was like, okay, you know what? My knees are getting bad, and it, I mean it's just not it's hamper. You no, know, like like you said, you know, when things you want to do, it hampers it. It even got to a point where my daily my daily walks, my daily going upstairs, not just things I want to do, the things I had to do was getting to be a burden. So I figured, you know what? I'll try this. I think I was thinking, I kept trying to convince myself, it can't be that bad. You've had a lot of shots before. It can't be that bad. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's when I decided, you know what? Um, she mentioned PRP. And, you know, I, 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 all I could think when she said PRP was like PCR test because I've done so many PCR tests for COVID. And I'm like, <laughs> PCR. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I didn't understand what it was. I looked it up and it looked really interesting. So I figured I gave it a shot and that's when I went in. And um, this is where, you know, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I, I just felt the, I mean, the moment she put it in, I, well, the pain that I expected to be like a 50 out of a 10 and pain. And then it was like, literally, it was like a one or even almost a zero. I felt almost nothing. Wow. I don't know if Steph's super good or it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just antici over anticipating it. So that it made it less painful. Mm -hmm. And the moment I stood up on my knee, I mean, uh, the, you know, the, the, when I read up on it, it, it should get worse before it gets better after the treatment. Mm -hmm. well, as soon as I got up, I was like, whoa, shit. Like the bend, like I bend my knee fully. I had a shooting pain on the inside of my knee. I, they, that was gone. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, I could already feel the difference. Of course, when I walked out of office, I felt my knee a little bit stiff. And I, it almost gave me a little bit of scare where I, I feel like I got to be careful. But I did it. I just walked up and down the stairs normally. It felt a little stiff, like almost like I did a hard workout the day before. And I woke up in the morning and my, leg, my knees were stiff. But... Today I went. Uh, I trained a weight train at the gym. I went for a walk on the beach and I went for a swim. And yesterday I did too. There's that one day she told me to stay out of water. I did, but um, yeah. So I felt yeah. that this is such a good thing. I mean, mm. 
it's it's affordable. It's not even painful at all, mm-hmm. and it's 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 pretty natural if you ask me. They're taking out your blood, putting yeah. it back. I'm just going to explain it, but yeah, I felt that this is you know I'm about helping people, and I felt that this is something I would like to spread. That people that having questions on it, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. probably have problems that want to do so. You because I think so. Can't you do it to like your shoulder or any joint in your body, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much. Well, it it's a little bit. Uh, you can do it to any joint in your body. Some joints, like your hip joint, you need to make sure that you have imaging. So whether it's an ultrasound or fluoroscopy, which is an X-ray, um, mm-hmm. to make sure you're in the right spot. The knee is such a large joint. Um, that you can just use ultrasound or, you know, you can use landmarks to put it in the joint. But some of the other joints, you do need some other modalities to make sure you're in the right spot. But, yeah, you can pretty much do it wherever. And so, you know what I found super interesting, James, is when uh, she hmm. – okay, so what the process is they draw the blood hmm. and then they mm-hmm. uh, spin the blood. And the crazy thing is, you know, for, for us normal people, blood is just red blood. You know, it's like blood. You clean yeah. up blood, you wipe all the red shit up, you know. I've never thought of blood being uh, separate components. Mm-hmm. So she's oh, actually yeah. she actually spun it. And uh, I thought I thought they, like, added something on top of my blood and stuff because there was three oh. little compartments. I was like, that's my – and she actually told me, well, if I shake it, it's just going to look like your blood again. I'm like, whoa, you mean that freaking machine – separated different i don't know what do you call it a uh, different uh, liquids in my blood so yeah. try to yeah. explain that i don't, I, don't just, I still don't understand yeah. it. i mean you absolutely. said the little was- absolutely so um i think the first thing that i would say is that uh you know just so that people know um how long this has been around that the earliest the earliest mention of prp and when they first thought about it was actually like all the way in like, um, you know, way over 20 years ago. But, you know, wow. the earliest mention that I found was like in 19, I don't know, in the 1970s. Um, and that was like uh, within hematology. I know, right? It sounds crazy that they knew about this wow. so long ago. And only now it's like more people are hearing about it. So it was originally in hematology. And then they used it in cardiovascular th- or cardiothoracic surgery. And eventually they used it in orthopedics or in the um, early 2000s. And what they found is that uh, the PRP, and you sort of alluded to separating out of the components, so we'll head there first. There's, um, when you spin it down, and you can see it in the, um, the example or the picture of it that you're going to post later, that the whole blood is actually made up of several different components. And a lot of those components are too, yeah, I know, right? They're too small for people to see with your naked eye. Um, but the major points that you can see are there's a something called platelet poor plasma, which is the, the pure yellow stuff on the top, which is what you're going to notice. And then there's a platelet um, rich plasma, which is the middle smaller section. And then that's then there's the remaining blood and the remaining blood is like red blood cells, white blood cells and sort of the remaining other components that didn't filter out that are a little bit larger than the rest. Question. Um, yeah, sure, Question, sure, sure. Sir. Yes, of so course. When, so when they do EPO, EPO uh-huh. is what? They take out those that bottom part then? Well, when they do there's uh, when they do EPO, so that's that's actually a great example. The EPO is an example of you stimulating your body to make more red blood cells. 
So it's not necessary. Sometimes you can do blood doping, which is essentially just taking whole blood and putting it back into your body. So whether you mm -hmm. took your blood out and stored it, or you're using somebody else's and you put it back in, we do none of that, but you can do it, obviously. Um, whether it's for surgery or for sport enhancement or for whatever reason that you're doing it, um, what that does is it increases the number of red blood cells um, and hemoglobin that's in your blood. And the hemoglobin is your oxygen carrying capacity. So the more hemoglobin you're, you have, then essentially uh, you're going to resist fatigue better because you can transport oxygen to the muscles and then transport waste away from the muscles. Yeah, I guess. So then that lactic, right, right, right. Exactly. So you're going to have less fatigue and better stamina because you're going to have that, um, the lactic acid that naturally builds up in your cells. That's the fatigue and stuff you feel in your, in your muscles. When all of that is like kind of when you're doing a light warm up or you're doing something that your body can keep up with, the lactic acid is pulled away so that you don't get tired. But when you so that would be the, that, that would be from that's that the bottom, bottom section, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That's exactly Holy right. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we took the yeah. middle, yeah. Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay, so what was that again? The, what the middle does is it helps my body <laughs> repair and stuff, yeah. You got it. So the PRP, which is the middle stuff, or platelet-rich plasma, um, there's a bunch of stuff in there, and. I think it's important to kind of know what sort of the definition of a platelet is. And that's, uh, it's a cytoplasmic fragment um, that is a mega, uh, mega karyocyte that's found in bone marrow. So as that comes out, it actually has over um, 30 bioactive proteins. And what that does is there are certain proteins that will benefit and enhance healing and very, very specific ones, but they're too small for us to see. So what we're doing is, and it, it, the amazing part is that your body already has it in it. And so we're not taking anything from the outside, which is also called um, uh, allogenic. Uh, so this is auto or yourself. So all the stuff auto is from your own body. And so that's actually kind of the safest preparation you can do. You can do things that are um, allogenic, which are, you know, other other sources of this, which is, you know, using somebody else's tissue to help your own. And um, so going back to the auto portion of it and the PRP, you have growth factors and cytokines and exosomes, which are all basically fancy terms to help your body grow and to repair itself. Um, it doesn't necessarily, I, I, I find that the biggest thing that people talk about is that they have decreased pain. And that, you know, I can't necessarily say that uh, it's growing one thing or another, but I think the fact that people's symptoms are better, that's a big bonus for me. Because that's what we're trying to do is help people manage their symptoms and manage um, you know, sort of life to be able to do more stuff that they really mm -hmm. like to. Um, and then that, uh, that other <clears throat> thing we put in, what was that gel thing that oh, some yeah, type yeah, yeah. of okay. acids, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the, <clears throat> the PRP itself uses other growth factors, or you can put other growth factors with it or other, you can pair things together to help facilitate the PRP working a little bit better. The, the gel stuff that we put in is called visco supplementation. 
the visco supplementation is made up of hyaluronic acid and um, there's different preparations of that and then it, the cross linkage is within the hyaluronic acid the, makes up the um, the molecular weight of that preparation but essentially what it does is it works together to help improve healing and improve the microenvironment within your knee to help it heal and function better and so like i did it this time yeah so how often mm -hmm. would you recommend like as i mean how how long does this actually last and does it actually do just temporary relief or is it actually mm -hmm. a type of a healing process possibly and how often yeah. do you have to do this you um so you hit it sort of right on the head in that it is a healing process so this is a process that your body i find i don't know i like to think of it as a process that your body's probably already doing but you're tearing it down faster than you can build it so by concentrating all these growth factors down now you're creating more of an acute environment instead of a chronic environment and so your body is able to um or is not it's not it was able to before but now it's sort of signaling that hey we, we need some help over here versus oh this is an old thing we'll just get to it later and what that helps is the the signaling and the growth factors help your body to improve itself um, by remodeling some of the tissues so that you're able to do stuff you like to do again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or so, do the daily shit without pain yeah <laughs> well yeah. That, that's the goal that's the goal and yeah. you're talking about like how often you should do it and how long does it last so ideally i i believe that especially like right in the beginning because it's been such most people come to us and they have bad arthritis and so it's been a long time problem so i feel that doing a couple injections maybe spaced four to six weeks apart is the best um, i usually start with three uh, a series of three injections you know but it's expensive for some people it's expensive you know eight hundred dollars um for an injection uh and it, it can be expensive for people you know especially when you know everything else is rising and everything else as far as cost wise so you know that's a consideration will it help you in the long run? I, I believe that it really will help you in the long run. Um, and what the three injections do you, but even if you did one, I think that'll help you. The other sort of boost that healing again. So you, you know, it's kind of like, um, when you're running a marathon or something and you, you sort of carboloaded in the beginning. And then as you're partway through the race, if you don't take any in, take in any nutrition or take anything in, you're going to start running out of stuff. And so if you take it in again mm -hmm. and you sort of replenish some of those those storages that you're using then you're able to continue on throughout the race do you recommend me doing another one before i leave for japan then because i won't be back till like july august you know uh, i think that's too soon okay okay i think good. it's too <laughs> soon no 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 yeah exactly no i'm not I, i'm uh i while i love seeing you and i love treating you and i love helping you and i'm glad that it's working I think that you're better off spreading it out a little bit to really get the maximum benefit from each injection. So it's I'm not like super, it, I don't have arthritis yet. So yeah, I'm not that bad yet. Yeah. Um, I, 
I actually think you do have arthritis. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, big reveal. <laughs> sorry. All right. Good to know. Um, Exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> I I apologize if I didn't make that clear before, but yeah, I think you do have arthritis. Um, oh. And it's worse in some areas rather than others. Uh, and but everybody's everybody's sort of level of pain and level of discomfort is a little bit different. So, you know, I think your one, the demands that you have asked of your body is probably like astronomical and compared to like the average person. So I think that that's something. Well, yeah, me too. Right. So, I mean, I think hey, that, you're the wrestler. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Still, but yeah, but I, I'm, I was never in a situation where, uh, you know, fortunately wrestling has rules and those rules prohibit somebody from like, uh, you know, arm barring me and choking me and hitting me in the face and other things. Mm -hmm. So I think that- He's making uh, like wrestling a gentle sport. Come on. Wrestling's <laughs> well, hardcore, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, yeah, no, 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 it's rough. But I mean, at least there's some yeah. rules where, you know, some of the things are not as drastic. And, you know, I- while I was prepared to do a lot, I don't think I was prepared to die every time I went into the ring so, um, or onto the mat. So I think that there's a huge difference between the two. Um, but that being said, you know, it does the day-to-day -day grind is the, the kind of thing that takes the toll on your body. And I don't think you are able to compete and perform on a high level without essentially paying a price. You know, everything, everything comes around and everything comes due. So... Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my, what sparred a lot of my interest in sort of the, the field that we're talking about is orthobiologics. Um, and that's like, literally, I didn't make up the name. They, they have like a whole huge field and, and resources and information that they're studying and everything about it. So, but a lot of it is all in preservation of your joints so that, you know, you don't end up getting a replacement too early. Super important too, man. So Absolutely. Steph, Absolutely. Um, yeah. question for me, because uh, I'm sitting here <laughs> all the way in the UK. My yeah. previously broken shoulder is itching because I, it will never be able to get surgery because <laughs> apparently it's, it's not too broken for surgery. But this oh, okay. sort of thing sounds you know, like, oh, that's exactly the sort of yeah. thing I want. But how yeah. popular is this treatment? Because I'd never heard of the treatment before. And I don't know whether it's because it's not over here in the UK. Uh, so I don't know, like, is it something that's sort of increasing in popularity? Yeah, I believe so. I think that it's definitely increased in popularity, but I, the other side of that is, well, I think it's definitely increased in popularity. I would be shocked if they didn't have it in the UK. I don't know specifically of any physicians over there, but I would be shocked if they didn't have it. Um, because it's so... I don't know. I feel like it's worldwide and so spread that mm -hmm. it, I would be surprised if they didn't. And the last part is that um, I think it's really important to find somebody that um, you trust. And, you know, Ensign's asking a lot of good questions and great questions as far as the research, like how are you doing this and what's happening and what, you know, what makes your preparation of PRP different than somebody else's. So I think that there's a lot of different steps. And I think that's part of the reason why, um, you know, people have varying results because different concentrations and different preparations and different, you know, and even how you're treating your body ahead of time is huge as far as the outcome and the benefit that you're getting. 
you know, one thing that Ensign just finished was his uh, yearly fast, um, you know, in commemoration of his dog that, uh, you know, Shuto is obviously a big part of his life. And having that yearly fast, it kind of coincided with when you decided to do the PRP, but that sort of prepared your body to have a great benefit from this as well. So that's one of, there's, there's a bunch of things you can do to sort mm -hmm. of increase the benefit that you get from PRP. One of the things you can do is, you know, sort of uh, having a fasting mimicking diet or a fast itself. Wow, it's perfect. <laughs> annual, annual. Yeah, no, so more. it worked out perfect. It just, it worked out yeah. perfect, but yeah. yeah, it was really, but I'm, I, in my head, that's one of the things, cause you're saying that you had so much benefit so fast. And I'm wondering yeah. if, um, I typically don't make my patients fast, but I'm wondering if, you know, if that was a huge part of it. Are you, um, you, you, and obviously Ensign brought up your sports background, but do you, yeah. do you find this treatment is becoming increasingly popular with athletes? Yes, actually, um, I think at one point it was so popular and so beneficial that the, um, uh, International Olympic Committee banned it and said you couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I am not up to date as far as whether it's banned currently. Usually, if we have an athlete that we're treating or something like that, I look up the most current rules because they change so much. But mm. in the past, and that might have changed now because there's so it's so prevalent, and they know that, especially if you're getting your own cells, that um, you know it. I guess it could be considered performance enhancing because you're going to heal so much faster than if you didn't have it. And it's not necessarily that you can use it just on your joints. A lot of times you can use it on, um, you know, your, your tendons and different things that aren't necessarily healing that fast um, or to even increase the, the rate at which it heals. So you can get back wow. to your sport and get back to everything. Yeah, exactly. So they, um, like I said, I'm not sure if they banned it currently, but you know, there's a lot of things that they ban that, um, uh, you know, I think can be performance enhancing depending on, you know, what sport you're in and what's happening. So they yeah, always change. No worries, things, for, so it's like they no, always... no worries for no worries for me and James. I don't think we're going to be trying to get yeah. on the Olympic team anytime soon. <laughs> I am. You, you can add me to that list. You can add me. To that list. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> but, but table tennis, maybe. <laughs> Is so that's like super competitive it's crazy it is, it is, it is. if you if you like it's so fun to watch but it's almost like uh hockey and golf where after they hit the ball they need to like highlight it so that you can follow it because it's so fast you can't yeah, even track it yeah yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah. so uh i just i'm just curious because obviously your medical background your sports background uh, there's a, obviously a lot of people that watch this podcast uh, are really into training, really into combat sports. Mm -hmm. um, is there uh, any advice you'd give for them in terms of like injury prevention? Any any maybe steps oh, that they can wow. take? Um, I think I think probably the the best advice is well. So I guess there's two sides to the two sides to the coin. I am still of the. I was of the school with Ensign where, you know, if you have some sort of uh, ache or pain or injury or something, you just push through and you keep going. Um, I, I, but I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know a single athlete who has gone through competition that hasn't had to compete injured. Like yeah, stuff happens. Exactly. It's yeah. And you can't change, you, you know, maybe you can't change the fight date or you can't change the tournament date or you can't change, you know, you've spent all this time preparing for your tournament and your competition and everything that it's going to happen regardless. So it's a matter of pushing through. And if you can't push through during practice, you're not going to push through during the competition because that's what your habit has learned. The unfortunate part of that is that I think that we're doing some damage to your body by continuing to go through that. You know, it's sort of, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's two sides. It's, mm. um, you know, the person that can tolerate the most and can, you know, take the most pain and the, take the most um, sort of adverse situation and overcome that, whether it's an obstacle or whatever it is, like you couldn't get to practice or you couldn't, you know, even COVID is a great example because look at all the athletes that, you know, that couldn't, train with somebody else right Mm -hmm. so all of those sports that couldn't train with somebody else because you're not allowed to they all had to like figure out something else to do um that being said i think the best thing that helps you is ironically warming up (laughs) i think that as you get older you know uh, or as you continue in your sport it plays a bigger bigger role you know stretching and warming up right but i mean it sounds so simple it sounds so, so simple. Yeah, I think that helps so the most, yeah. um, you know, and even younger athletes, I think that your body's able to, to adapt a little bit better. And so you don't realize it where, you know, you're five years old and you just start taking off running versus, you know, the 40 year old that is, you know what, I'm not going to take off running because I'm going to pull a hamstring or a quad or something like that. And the best example that I can think of that is, um, like if you take, um, I, I don't, for lack of a better explanation, I think of sort of Laffy Taffy as, as an example. So if you take it and you put it in the freezer, um, you know, a big bar of it or whatever, and you take it out and you try and bend it, it's going to shatter or break in different pieces. But if you take it and it's like sitting out in the sun and you try and bend it, it's going to like stretch way out to here before it breaks or rips or does anything. And I think sometimes a visualization of that helps people understand Mm. sort of some of the stuff that's going on. Granted, there's limits to everything. It's, you know, if you're, if your arm is way back here and people try to put it like over here, it's not really made to go that far. So it's probably going to damage something or injure something. Uh, But within limits, I think it helps you. Mm. You know, you know, it's funny. Um, Going back to what we're talking about, uh, fighting injured. Yeah. My, you know, am I always, always, you know, my, even my, my guy, Siyoshi, he would come on and, you know, say, oh, my knee's a little sore for the fight. I'm like, we got to work through it. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. the way it is. I, and I, I always tell him that, you know, I don't think I've ever went to a fight 100%. If mm-hmm. you can go into a fight 100%, I always believe that you're either very lucky or you didn't train hard enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, it might be going off a little bit on the tangent, but when you're, when Steph was just talking about, you know, training through things, you know, and wearing down your, it's going to actually break down your body. I, you know, my body's really screwed up. Like I can't lift my arms past this, you know, I can't get my arm back past this, you know, I mean, my body's screwed up. My neck's tight. My knees are a little bad. 
and it's probably due to pushing myself through the limits. But I know, I know, you know, depending on your objective, like for my objective, it wasn't to, my body's only going to live so long. My spirit's going to live forever. And I always felt that I would never want to sacrifice my physical self to not gain more in my spiritual self. So people might gawk at this and think it's really stupid, but it's not stupid because it's my mindset that I had when I was fighting and my reasons for training so hard like that. I felt that these tolls that I took on the body it built me spiritually. So I'm the person that I am, and I believe mentally and spiritually as strong as I am because I push my body to what it is. And the small sacrifice I made was now my body's not fully functional, but I'm lucky because I can still do, I can drive a car, I can walk, I can make braces, I can, you know, I can still lift weights, I can do everything. Not to the best range of motion that I would want to. Walking up and downstairs is not as comfortable as I would like. But I don't know, for me, it might be against most people, especially in today. I feel like my sacrifice that I made, I, that I put through my body, I would do it again. Maybe I would stretch more, warm up better, but as far as pushing myself to the limits, pushing myself to the limit in training, gain so much spiritual strength and enlighten myself, I feel, for something that, the physical life is a speck, a little, you know, a little dash. You know how they say born in 1967, dash, died. That's the physical life because they, they, they put it in a dash because it's that short. Mm. The spiritual life is eternity. And I feel like, man, I, like I always say, if there's a burning building and I feel like I can help a child in the second floor, I wouldn't hesitate to run in to save the, save the kid because spiritually, my, my spirit would die if I feel like I could have done something and I didn't. Right. I would not want to sacrifice that for, and you know, and prolonging my 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 physical short physical life. I wouldn't want to damage my spiritual life. So if I, of course, I'm not gonna be that dumbass. And if there's no chance to run in and save him, I I would run in like in the fire like a dumbass. No, if I phys I intellectually thought that I had a chance, if I didn't do it, I would spiritually be damaged. So I decided, you know, I, I feel that way. Even in my training, you know, I'm kind of, I don't regret not, you know, I, I don't, don't regret as hard as I train because I gained so much spiritually. So, you know, I mean, it's off the subject, but when you said that, I was thinking that shit. You know what? Yeah. The, the yeah. sacrifices I made with my body is totally worth it, man. Yeah. The person that yeah. I am now is because I pushed myself so hard. Yeah. And the respect that I get in the MMA community is because of who I became pushing myself so hard in my fights and in my training. I mean, you even talk to anybody that I train with. Back in the day, I was someone you did not want to train with because I went hard. Right. Right. No, I um, I could not agree with you more, but I feel like your success um, was a big part of your how you mentally and spiritually approached both training and competition. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I feel that a lot of times that mental or spiritual side is what differentiates people from being, being a champion versus not. Um, and you can take the physical side where you can take somebody that can jump faster, run further, um, lift more. But if the mental side isn't there and the mental toughness or the, the spiritual side of believing and having that commitment isn't there, 
and that's the section that's that's the section that's super hard to train. I mean, you can train it to a point, but you're you can sort of nurture that inner belief and nurture some of that's going on, but that inner drive to want to excel, I I believe is sort of in your either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And you can help nurture it and help bring it along. But unless you have that underlying drive, it's going to be really hard for you to find that ultimate success. At least within sports. Well, I guess you can kind of extrapolate that for out for other stuff as well. But yeah. um, that that sort of inner drive or the competitiveness to excel and to sort of push through adversity is the part that's going to differentiate differentiate the you know the person that didn't place or didn't go to the competition or didn't you know that took second all the time. You know, there's there's it, there's something that's intangible. And it's those intangible things that ultimately defines whether or not you're going to win. Yeah. Sorry. My, yes. My, my, it was a little, my, my, it was a little my, deviation, but I think it's, but I think, the, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I totally believe it. Yeah, I do too. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Because if it wasn't, if there wasn't that intangible thing, literally there would be no, almost no need for sports because you would know who would win or lose. But just yeah. looking at the stats, mm. that's a good point. I, I also want, of course, is probably I got a big following in Hawaii. Okay. And I, I even got like a message from a guy from Guam that wants to fly in just to do it. I mean, they do it in Guam, I think. But he was asking, I think mm. he was he was asking more about you know, oh, you know, they always want excuses to come to Hawaii too. Mm-hmm. And I think actually mm-hmm. the price point was a lot cheaper. You know, the, for the eight hundred mm. for P, the PRP was. For him, mm-hmm. I think they they pay like fifteen hundred in Guam. Oh wow! Okay. So he's wondering, like, oh, that that price point, and I could include a trip to Hawaii, you know? So yeah, yeah. I'm well, ironically, that, yeah. yeah, ironically, we have um, patients that have requested, you know, we're sort of like at the other, all the way to the end, where you're getting a joint replacement, and we've had uh, people from several people from Guam that have inquired about having joint replacement uh, by Dr. Morton and within our clinic. And, you know, we've set up um, places where, you know, they don't necessarily need to be in a hospital in order to have all these, these uh, have the procedure done. So we've set it up so they can stay at a hotel in Waikiki or, you know, we, they get special pricing to stay at a hotel in Waikiki and then they'll come um, do outpatient surgery. And then we have um, nurses and therapists that will go see them at the hotel, make sure they're okay, make sure everything's wow, going well, cool. and then they can go back. Yeah. So it's, I feel like his vision is really good as far as setting things up. And Guam was, we've had people from Alaska, from Guam, from you know, kind of all over, I guess, that want to come here to um, have the surgeries done or even just the procedures. So, yeah, absolutely. We can give them any. The last question, the last question I have sure, is, sure. is uh, so if someone was interested in what, what this PRP or even the gel treatment, how mm-hmm. would they, how would they contact you if they're in Hawaii? What was their homepage, phone number? 
Yeah, actually, there's two things. The uh, website, I'll just give you the website because that's probably easiest. And then on the website, there's different emails and all that kind of stuff. But it's www.drmorton.com so that you spell out the whole doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R. We'll have it written down at the bottom. Perfect. Thank you so much. M-O-R-T-O-N. Yeah, yeah. But he has, but it kind of gives a better explanation of what's going on. And even if you end up doing that joint replacement, which, you know, obviously we're not talking about here, one of the things that differentiates him is he is the first fellowship trained um, joint replacement surgeon that uses a robot to facilitate placement of that uh, prosthesis. Whoa. So, Whoa. yeah, no, it, it, it's, I was, I was sort of blown away the first time I saw how mm. much of a difference it made. You know, I think a lot of surgeons are very competent in not using it, but mm-hmm when you there's sort of a scatter diagram that you show like hey this is where it was placed this is what's going on and you know different things happen in surgery where maybe your placement wasn't exactly what you wanted from before or what it didn't come out perfect but a lot of it is sort of eyeball like hey it's it passed the eyeball test this is pretty close yeah we'll we'll go with this versus if you could have a robot or something to help you visualize the 3d space of what's happening you know maybe the leg moved just a little bit and you didn't even realize it when you were in surgery and after the fact you're like oh look it's not exactly where i wanted it well because we use the robot to begin with to to line everything up we know exactly where it's at and exactly the amount of um bone to take off to resurface that that joint um before we even take it off to know what the end result is so then the outcomes are more consistent and I, I feel like people have been really happy with the results because of it, but it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and, like, actually, and actually Steph is one of them Android robots because when she drew my blood and I've had <laughs> blood drawn from me so many times, I didn't feel anything. I didn't even feel the prick, man. I don't know if it was just a chance of that certain time, man, but I, I, I always hate that first prick into the vein. Yeah, I mean, she got it yeah. one shot, and I felt nothing. It was weird, and the needle looked kind of yeah. thick too, man. But anyway, she yeah. just to let you know, she's one of those Android robots. That's why they're <laughs> <she's> so precise. <laughs> well, I I appreciate that, but there's that just means you know it, when you come back next time, there's more pressure because now yeah. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but I'm glad. Bigger I'm needle. glad that was. Yeah. Well, um. Unfortunately, it can't be a super small needle because we need to protect the, the blood cells that are coming, that we're trying to draw mm-hmm. out from you, and we don't want to damage them, which is why the needle's kind of big when it goes in. But it's not, I would say it's probably average for a blood draw. What was that, like uh, a 21 gauge? 18. Sorry. 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we that can, I know it's well, hurt now. I know. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly, right? So it, it looks like a giant hose. No, the, um, it, we put it back in with something that was smaller than that. Uh, but when we, when we draw the blood out, it, it has to be a little bit larger. So unfortunately, yes, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it didn't hurt you. That's, that's not at all, man. Unreal. Line. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe we were talking about the other stuff, so then you were distracted. Could have been that. Too. Yeah, we were thinking about that shit going into my knee later. Like, oh god. Yeah. 
too many. Like crazy though, James, because I when she said she's gonna do the gel too, I was like, that's another needle. But yeah. it was crazy. She kept the one needle in and changed everything and did it all in one poke. I'm like, yeah. yes, only one poke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes I don't I um well I don't do these <laughs> I I have done these injections on me, not the PRP, but I've done these injections on me. Um the it, you can't do it once a week though the, like uh you can do them you know there is a risk to infection so you got to make sure everything's sterile when you do everything that's huge but giving it time to sort of have take effect and to work which is why i said you, you know what well i would love to see you again and love to do another procedure um next week is too early you got you really should give it a chance to have everything to like work and develop and go through what it's going to do um, within you because some of those things aren't necessarily what we actually put in their growth factors. So they are, um, so there's different signaling factors. This is in fact called paracrine, which means that I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to signal to neighboring cells to come and help um, with all the growth factors and everything. So there's, you know, all different kinds of, um, ways that your body can signal things to come whether it's uh you know from a neighboring cell to something far away to you know the reverse where it's you know you're low on something and so that signals something else and then it comes in and all of these different things so your body's pretty amazing and the crazy thing is that you know for as much as we know we're still I feel like we're still just touching the surface as far as everything. Wow, you know, we saw amazing. how long, yeah, we saw how how much we've learned and how much we've figured out thus far. But I just feel like, you know, it's still like the tip of the iceberg and we have so much more to learn. All right. Yeah. Man. Super exciting. Anything else, James? No, I think I know what I'm Googling though. <laughs> like when I, after this uh, conversation wraps up, see if I can find some. But uh, no, really, nice. I'm really grateful for you coming on uh, the podcast stuff. It was yeah, super interesting. Thanks, yeah. Like I said, yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for before. having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your time. And it was very nice meeting you. Uh, and if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to help. And, you know, sometimes, um, I don't know, it's sort of like a network thing, right? So sometimes, um, you know, I can ask even Dr. Morton. I don't personally know anybody in England, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't. He goes all over learning, um, you know, to different conferences and different um, workshops to learn the the most cutting edge things. And then, you know, you sort of say, hey, this is what other people are doing. This is the best um, what they, you know, you don't want to be necessarily do the most cutting edge thing, but the thing that is uh, has been shown that's the most effective that is the safest as well is what you should be doing and so things are obviously you know well it's not hey let's try this and you just you know heard about it from your neighbor or from like a random thing that you thought of that you've never had any research on i think that doing some research and making sure it has the background and is um sort of uh, backed both by research and articles and everything else and you can show that hey this really works and this has like a you know there's some evidence behind it and it's safe and everything else then you know what i definitely think you should try yeah I you should look into it james for sure you should look oh into yeah it, right? absolutely yeah 
I would. I think the reason why I'd, I'd be quite confident is it because it's uh, it's like taking your blood but then putting it back in, yeah. so it doesn't feel right. so. You know, like yeah, yeah. Weird or surgery. I, I like the sound of it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. You know, um, the the biggest part from taking yourself, which is that autograph stuff that we talked about, completely. Like, I think that that is definitely the safest way. You know, mm. you can do stuff that's the allograft, which is like using other people's stuff. And ironically, you know, I don't think that this is you by any means, but as an example, somebody that's had uh, like a bone marrow transplant or done some other transplant, you can have other things that happen to you, including um, graft versus host reaction, which is like a huge inflammatory reaction to your body, to this other foreign object that mm. your body mm -hmm. is recognizing. In addition to the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people um, are familiar with like 23andMe and different things to like do genetic mm. testing. Hey, this is what I'm about. This is where I'm from. If you've had any of those allograft type of transfusions or transplants, you can't do 23andMe because your DNA is contaminated. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Because you've already incorporated somebody else's genetics into oh, your own. Oh, that's right. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's, yeah. a, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. All right, everybody. All right. Well, like and comment. Let us know if you've got any questions for Steph. Put it in the comments. I'm sure we'll be going to pass them on. But thanks, everybody. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. All Take right. Care.